can see it. You can feel it. They're not sure what time it is, but they can see the ball lowering. Five, four, three, two, one. I mean, I'm always making these dumb statements, and people say, "Well, why did you say you were retiring?" And when I when I said I was retiring, I thought, "Why did you say that, you dummy?" You know, I mean, when I got home, and I go, and I go, "Well, what does a retired person like me do? Just sit and die?" You know. Welcome to Sabbath Bloody Podcast. I'm a madman. I am, of course, your conductor, Rye, and here we go again. Another week, Wednesday. Let's just get going now. Put up those cigarette lighters first. Let me see your cigarette lighters. And we'll give toast to the Deep Dive Podcast Network. You got Deep Purple Podcast. You got Skinner Reconsidered. You got T-Bone Mathley and his prime cuts on the other side. And you have the lads over at In the Lap of the Pods. Yes, sir. It's just fucking like clockwork at this point. (laughs) Let's keep it rolling. Get on board the crazy train. I got it easy today as far as my attempts to create a solid Aussie timeline in this podcast. And I know, lads, it's been all over the fucking place as I try to keep it sequential, right? But, you know, I'm just a fan. And that is just a big fucking bus going by my apartment. (laughs) But I wasn't there. You know, I don't have the daisley level deets for every year. I might flub a date here and there, mix up some things, mispronounce names... I'm just trying my best, okay? I don't need you to correct every little thing, lads. But today I should have the flow a little better because we have a proper diary from the madman himself to read from, to guide us day to day, and unveil a bunch of the studio process here for the next Ozzy Osbourne saga, Osmosis. Yes, everything is coming together. It's actually a great name for the project, huh? You got the Ozzy play on words there, which... Everybody always loves. But also, this offering is a combination of so many different collaborations, and we'll unpack some of that here in a second. I probably should mention first, though, in 1995, to drum up some excitement for the return of Oz here, there was an epic, career-spanning remaster of his entire fucking back catalog right up to present date. And this was probably the most comprehensive remaster series out there, really, until the vinyl box set that came out in 2019 there. Outside of that, it's been pretty much just, you know, cherry-picking his releases. I don't know how many versions of fucking Blizzard and Diary have been put out, but (laughs) this series here, this 1995 one, is pretty great. It was remastered by Brian Lee and Bob Ludwig, who are a pretty famous mastering team in this scene. And a lot of audiophiles, they fucking shit on these remasters, but personally I find with the super early records like Blizzard, Diary fucking Bark even even on the vinyl there was some phasing issues on the recording, especially in Ozzy's vocals, you really notice it and they really fix that nicely in these 95 discs so I prefer these mixes when I'm you know, picking something out of the collection as opposed to just streaming there are some little extras in there too a bonus track actually shows up on the Speak of the Devil remaster that they do. They throw in Sweet Leaf on the new remaster CD, and that was cut from the original vinyl. So, all right now, won't you listen? 
gotta have Sweet Leaf in there. Man. <laughs> the thing that does bother me about these 95 remasters, though, is the presentation. Like, they butcher all the artwork by shrinking it down and surrounding it with this really 90s sort of, like, I don't know what you'd call it, like a digital marble background with a different color for each offering. It's kind of like a wavy pool look. It's poorly executed, whatever the fuck it is. I guess what they really were trying to do is just bring some consistency to all the artwork on the remasters as a set, maybe. I don't know. It totally wrecks the effect of the original artwork, though, by shrinking it down to pretty much nothing. A sign of the times, I guess. Everything had to be modernized in the 90s. People thought Ozzy's covers looked old and dated, I guess. And I think they're fucking timeless. But hey, to each their own. The masses bought up these remasters. And it set up a lot of buzz for Ozzy's next project here. And speaking of buzz and hype, it being 1995 here, the World Wide Web was catching on in a big way, and artists were using that to promote their releases and tease shit. They were launching websites for fan interaction, like the Sony Epic label especially, even set up like news feeds on their sites for each of their artists. So they had one on there that Ozzy could apparently post directly to, or, you know, it's obviously somebody posing on his behalf, but... Because honestly, I, I don't see the Prince of Darkness booting up his 1995 Dell desktop and logging in to post updates from the studio. Do you? Dude, you're getting a Dell. <laughs> I got a fucking Dell, man. <laughs> Can't turn the bloody thing on. Sharon! We got some surprisingly candid updates posted here to the World Wide Web. Some shade thrown to band members and producers. It's not just and everything's going great in the studio i'm excited about the next album kind of thing that you usually get from artists it has some raw moments in here which is cool and it was a fun read through so using the glorious wayback machine if you guys know that website it's basically just an archive of previous builds of websites so you can punch in a url and go back to see what the site looked like in a previous build and if something was typed into the actual content into the html it pops up there it's a lot of fun actually I get lost in it from time to time. A lot of the graphic stuff don't carry over because they've been deleted from systems and stuff like that, but this was the jackpot here. Ozzy's 1995 studio diary from his artist page on Sony Epic, and it continues right through 1996, actually, so we'll be dialing in from time to time here in the next few episodes. Let's start out with the first big entry here. It brings us up to speed on everything and unveils the lineup that we'll be working on this next album in the process. Who will it be? Let's... Dial up. February 28th, 1995, Ozzy Osbourne started recording his new album in Paris today. Zach Wilde is playing guitar, and he's really psyched about having his old mate, Geezer Butler, back on bass. New recruit Dean Castronova is playing the drums on the album. Dean comes way of Portland, Oregon. Ozzy's album is being produced by Michael Bainhorn. Soundgarden, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Michael says, I thought my album with Soundgarden was heavy, but I have half of Black Sabbath in the studio with me now. If I can't get a heavy-sounding album with this band, then I'm not worth shit. Who is engineering the album? Ozzy says, I have no fucking idea. As long as he can twiddle a few knobs, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Pre-production on the album ended last week in New York. All went well. Zach only knocked one hole in the wall at in his hotel room. He must have been a little off color, says Ozzy. Last time Zach knocked four holes in the walls of his room. Zach was, as usual, in great form. 
It was 10 days into production. It was 10 days into pre-production before he decided to bathe. <laughs> it wasn't by his own choice either. Zach finally took a shower. He had been banned from the studio until he washed his armpits and hair. So this diary is going to be fun, huh? You can just see the vibe of it there. Taking the piss out of each other. We'll keep diving into this day-to-day. Get a feel for the times. But there's a lot of shit in here. Like, I've just flagged a couple that I found interesting. That drive the story along for us here. Most of them just mention song titles and say, We did guitar tracks today for this song. We wrote a new one called So-and-so. And I've kind of combed through those ones, and I'll actually just read out the highlights of A Madman here, as curated by Rye. So not every entry verbatim. But the first one, there's lots to talk about in there, right? The big announcement being Zach and Geezer Butler both back working on this album. That's fucking huge. So you know this shit is going to be good. And Banehorn producing, he's a 90s beast. He did Super Unknown from Soundgarden. Mechanical Animals by Marilyn Manson. That was a huge album in my youth. And still, like, if you listen to that album now, it's got some cool sonic moments in it. He also did some of the 80s Chili Pepper stuff, like Mother's Milk. And Ozzy also mentions a new member in there, too, in that post. Dean Castronova, a great drummer. Love the tone that he brings on this record. Maybe the, my favorite drum tone of any Ozzy record. It's just huge. Everything sounds huge on this record. And Dean is a fucking firecracker in interviews, too. A total stud. Here he is on a show that you probably know called Blaring Out with Eric Blair. If you know the heavy metal scene, you know Eric's work. But listen to Dean <laughs> blaring out here. We were in the studio in Paris. We It took us a month to get drum sounds, which is crazy in my book, but we got an amazing drum sound, um, and we nailed the songs. We got this stuff done pretty quickly. I mean, it was an amazing project. Working with Geezer and Zach, of course. I mean, Zach's an animal, a monster player. And Geezer, you know, he's one of the best bass players I've ever had the honor to work with. So it was pretty cool, man. Pretty, pretty now, cool. Have you, you've listened to the album, Osmosis. Oh, yeah. That's- what do you think of it? I think there's some great moments on that record, especially the stuff that Zach wrote. The songs that Zach wrote are definitely, to me, they've got the most crunch to them. I mean, it's it's definitely Ozzy Osbourne when you hear Zach playing those songs. Shit, absolutely torqued. <laughs> That's the voice of a drummer who has played without hearing production. Son. And also, Dean Kostanovic, he also plays on some of Geezer's solo stuff as well. So those two lock in here, probably. Because we got Geezer too, right? We all know him well by this point. But I also got a sound bite here from him in this era, talking about hooking up with Ozzy again. So let's just roll that. Um, I went down to his house last uh, last year, and he was playing me the demos of his new album. Because he'd written about 25, 26 songs for his new album. And he'd been working with about six six different bass players. And he asked me, he, he wanted to obviously work with just one when he finally recorded the album. And he asked me if I'd be interested in doing it. And um, at the time, I was still looking around for a singer and a drummer for my band. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll do My fucking man. It sounds like Geezer had a lot of fun in the studio here too, which is great to see. In these little diary entries that I've been looking at here, they said that he was collecting toys and he would go to vintage toy shops while they were in Paris with Ozzy. (laughs) That seems like a fun montage. Them going through, playing with old Doctor Who toys and shit. Geezer also decided to play a different bass on every track that he recorded in these sessions, which is badass, some Getty Lee style. And there are a few more 
collaborations on this record too it's hard to cover them all man like it's just like no more tears but even more they're employing those outside collaborations including the return of the immortal lemmy he pens a few lyrics on here including one of the tracks that he fleshed out just last year with steve via indian sitar jam yeah you can just smell the hook on this crappy track that one called my Little Man. Yeah, I really don't like that song. That sitar is not my bag at all. It's like a drill to my eardrum. But being the Beatles freak that Ozzy is, I'm sure he enjoyed dipping into that George Harrison world there. But it's cool to see that something from the X-Ray Sessions creeps into this batch, at least. And for me, that's the only skipper on this album. Sometimes I push past I Just Want You as well because that song's kind of played for me but yeah it's not all i love this track as i've been accused by one listener of not being critical of this aussie material at all and just being a fanboy so there's one for you homie my little man fucking dog shit <laughs> and it's got a lemmy on it so <laughs> also in the credits here i mean we can probably just bring up the track list and name off the writers for each like shit is all over the place on here but john prudell he comes back, the mastermind behind No More Tears. This might have actually been a song that was left over from the No More Tears session. Because he's listed on here as helping writing the absolute banger, Perry Mason, the great album opener, which also prominently features the legend that they brought in to do the keys on this record. And I'll talk about for a second here. Mr. Rick Wakeman. He needs no introduction. He's on the keys as well as Banehorn. The producer, he's got a creep, uh, keyboard credit on here as well, but I think it's predominantly Wakeman on the record. So, lots of peeps in the studio here, and we're talking a very diverse-sounding record here as a result. There's another song or two with the writing team on here that needs to be mentioned, Mark Hudson and Steve Dudas. Now, they seem to be a package deal, Mark and Steve, but here's a clip of Mark Hudson talking about getting requested to work with Ozzy for this record. And this is kind of a funny clip, too. Let's roll it. My publisher called up and said, Hi, Mark, it's Kathleen. Did you want to work with Ozzy Osbourne? And I went, you know, I, I don't, he kind of scares me. I think he, like, eats bats and he lives in the country. He kind of scares me. I, I, don't, I don't know if I, if I can. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in my apartment. I'm sleeping. My phone rings. And once again, it's like 5 in the morning. And when you're Italian... I told you before, when the phone rings at five, either someone's died or a relative's gone to jail. I hear this voice. Uh, hello, hello, my, 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 my. And, and I knew, and I went to myself, she gave him my phone number. I went, hey, hi, Ozzy. Oh, hey, oh, hey, it's Ozzy. Ozzy on board. Oh, Ozzy. Oh, uh, Ozzy. Hey, Ozzy, how's it going? He goes, I, I, I heard I heard the song they they wrote for live for Aerosmith living on the edge. It's very Beatly, and I went yeah. Well, I I'm kind of a Beatle freak. He goes uh, me 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 too, Mark. If ever I get an incurable disease, I, I always say give me some morphine, put on the White Album, and fuck off. And I said okay, Ozzy, that's really good. Goes, but but but, I, but I, I love what you did, and, and if, if, if you don't mind. I, I'd like to have you come over to England because I'd like to do a record sort of like Ozzy does Sergeant Pepper. Ozzy does Sergeant Pepper. Ozzy does Sergeant Pepper. Ozzy does Sergeant Pepper. Now I swear to God, if I wouldn't have interrupted him, he would still be going. Ozzy does Sergeant Pepper. 
I went, okay, you know, I see Sergeant Pepper. I, I'm happy, Sergeant Pepper. And he goes, well, well, would you would you come? And I went, okay, I'll go. And I walk in, introduce myself, and, and they go, uh, where's Ozzy? He goes, oh, wait, believe me, he'll show up. So I had this idea to write a song. And it, was, it was real heavy. Like, I dropped everything, all, all the corporate, boom. And these guys go, oh, great. And then they started playing. Doom, 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 doom. And it was just thick and nasty and, and big hair. So it was kind of like Bang and Gone. And we do this entire track with no Ozzy. So all of a sudden, they say from downstairs, Ozzy's here. Now this is like a bad movie, because all of a sudden, the door opens up, and there like 25 feet away is, is Ozzy standing there with like a long coat, the John Lennon glasses, and his hair like this, and he's just standing there. And then they had a little blonde guy with fuzzy hair next to him with a big bowl of trail mix. All of a sudden, he goes, oh, 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 what do you got? And now the band had already rehearsed this thing with me, so I went, one, two, three, four, and I see Ozzy, now Ozzy was going through a period where he was trying to be healthy, so he, Tony, laid the huge trail mix down, and, and Ozzy's just eating it like, oh, his little cheeks around here, and all of a sudden he gets like an idea. I could see that thing happens to songwriters where the idea hits, and it hits, and he gets up and he goes, oh yeah, boss, I've got this idea, and Ozzy gets this idea, and I can see him like just chewing on the stuff, and he sets down the, down the bowl, and he walks up to the microphone, and what we call the fist of love. Like when the hand goes up, the band knows that he's going to cut us off. And it ended up going where we were going like that. And he goes, it feels so good to be bad, which is a great Aussie lyric. But he goes up to the microphone and goes, and he goes, it feels so, and he breathes in. starts to turn kind of blue and the bass player goes, I think he's fucking choking. Someone's <laughs> trying to save him. Nobody's saving him. He won't leave the microphone. He's still going. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have never time licked anyone in my life. But I'm, and I take off my guitar and I go behind him and I kind of give him some fruity pats on the back like, Ozzy, and then I figure, okay, I'm going to break a rib, but I'm going to hang it. So then all of my might, I put my arms around his waist and just shove like this, and then it goes like this. And he sits down for a minute, and he goes towards the door, and Tony follows him, and he goes, um, um, uh, I have to go home. And Tony turns around at me, almost like the Lone Ranger, and he goes, Matt, you saved his life. <laughs> That's a hilarious clip there hudson's contributions to this album are incredible too it seems like they were there to write the whole fucking album with ozzy before this session starts up that we've been talking about today the demos are out there and two of my favorite songs from the album they're made by that team of dudez and hudson those being denial and ghost behind my eyes fantastic underrated tracks the whole album here is kind of underrated I think it should be up there in that rarefied air of no more tears, no rest for the wicked, the classic Zach stuff. 
And that story there that Mark told in that hilarious clip, the song where Ozzy choked on the trail mix, well, the demos are out there for that one. I mean, you can't hear him choking on the uh, tra- trail mix. They must have come back the next day and redone it. But there's a lot of demos that have surfaced from this album, which is great to listen to. I mean, usually demos are just kind of shittier versions of the final products. But with these ones, it sounds like a different album entirely. You can really see the difference on the songs when it was just Hudson, Dudez, and Ozzy. Maybe Dean was there as well. But when you compare those to the final tracks, when Zach and Geezer put their sauce on it, like it's crazy how much Zach and Geez add to the tracks. Like, like if that was ever in question, <laughs> like how absolutely prime Zach is for the Ozzy sound. But go and check that shit out. The Osmosis demos are essential for anyone who loves Osmosis as much as I do. Super interesting to hear the evolution of this record. And really the bones of these songs, there's such like an outstanding like pop sensibility to them. I know that might scare off some of you hardcores, but like you can tell this is the team that wrote for Aerosmith. Got that great 90s sound mixed in their sauce there, that living on the edge kind of. And you really see the process with Ozzy's band here. Like, I'll do one example here that's very dramatic. One of my top five Aussie tracks of all time here. The one that I sign off every podcast with. See you on the other side. So there's the version you all know with that terrific arpeggio ring out that Zach does here. Listen to that. Geezer's holding it down with the thump. God, this song's brilliant. And when it kicks in, like here, around here, yeah, one of Aussie's best lyrics one of Ozzy's best vocal performances here. But here, one second, let me stop this. Let's check out the demo here. Way different vibes, some more kind of sleazy, almost Glenn Fry style vibes on here. Like You Belong to the City, you know, that Miami Vice sleaze that he did in his solo career. We all love that, right? Listen to this. Hey, is that a fucking sax on an Ozzy track? Yeah, lads, you gotta check out these demos. It's a trip. There are several tracks from the Dudez Hudson sessions, including that Feel So Good to Be Bad song that Hudson was referencing in his little story back there. I won't drop in on that one for the sake of moving it along here, but the evolution of these tracks, it, it really explains like the catchiness of this album to me, at least, to see them stripped down to their kind of solid pop bed that all these songs have. I'll do one more A-B comparison here, though, before I get back to the... Grind on the road with Ozzy. And this here gives our old friend Rick Wakeman some proper props. See what he brings to the songs here. The demo for Perry Mason. Let's do a quick digital needle drop here on the iconic intro. How it was in the demo stage here first. the keyboard part on that is John Prudell, as he has a writing credit on this song, and that's how he operates, fleshing it out on the keys. And it's way more symphonic here, right? Like, definitely 
Sergeant Peppers. Aussie does Sergeant Pepper. Aussie does Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> Still very cool. But we all know where Rick Wakeman takes this shit. Next level. But if you need a reminder, here's Wakeman's take on it. telling you some of the most interesting demos in this batch too it takes it to a whole nother level i mean i've always loved osmosis just as a studio offering on its own but it's so cool to be able to kind of dissect it like this so seek these demos out you can get lost for days in them just a b in them with the final versions at least i can i know a lot of people out there don't really like this album and i personally don't get that i mean outside of my little man that's the only misstep that i can see Look, you got Tomorrow, So Deadly, fucking old L.A. Tonight, one of the greatest Aussie ballads. Go spin Osmosis right now, kids, and, you know, if you didn't give it the time of day when it came out. And take in the demo world, too. Properly deep dive these songs. I know you guys are up for it. Dim the lights. Light some candles. Get your quavaze on the rocks. Crank old L.A. Tonight. You will be pure class. Fuck, man, there's so many names involved here that, yeah, I could lose track very easily going through the credits here. But one of the big deals that we do have to cover is playing on this record, too, is, of course, Zach Wild. So let's look at the credits one more time here. I can tell you for sure he must have written My Jackal Doesn't Hide because that's like a full-on black label jam. So of the, of the ten tracks... 12 if you count the bonuses here and two seven of them are co-written by zach looks like he did perry mason thunder underground see you on the other side tomorrow so yeah all the fucking bangers on this record zach obviously had a heavy hand in and yep my jackal doesn't hide is there too he also did work on amy which is a lighter one i assume he wrote that on the piano because zach has that in his bag of tricks as well but while in the studio Zach was also side-gigging, looking for outlets outside of Ozzy. And Oz actually seemed pretty cool with him doing these side-gigs. And Go back to the diary here for a second. May 5th, 1995. Apparently, this is when the rumor was confirmed that Zach was only here to record the album, and he would not be in the touring unit for this cycle, because he had other plans. Plans to board the night train, apparently. So check this out. May 5th, 1995, Zach is now finishing up the guitars on the track The Whole World's Falling Down, which will be a bonus track for Japan. The mood in the studio has now grown even sadder, as this will be Zach's last day working on Osmosis and working for Ozzy. As you all know, Ozzy has given Zach his freedom so that he can try to pursue his dream gig with Guns N' Roses. So there's lots of goodbyes happening all around today. I hope you'll all join us in wishing Zach good luck with his pursuit of the second guitar slot 
in Guns N' Roses. So fucking crazy, right? Zach's leaving Ozzy for GNR. But no, I remember the guys were just talking one day, and Axel was telling me. I'd never met Axel before, and Axel was just saying, uh, him and Slash were talking, like, well, who else would you want to get on guitar? And, like, I guess my name came up, and well, why don't we ask Zach what's going on? He said, and Axel was like, all right, you know what, I'll call him up. And so <clears throat> Axel ended up getting my phone number and called me up. He said, hey, Zach, man, it's Axel. I was just wondering if you want to get together and jam with the guys. And this, I said, yeah, no, no problem, you know. So uh, we ended up jamming. And, you know, because this is when we were, we were recording Osmosis at the time. And so, you know, we were jamming on and off. And then, you know, with, uh, you know, so it was just like we were recording a record. And we were doing Osmosis, having a blast doing that. And then... uh in between when I'd come back out to LA, I'd end up hooking up with the guys and we jammed down and, you know, rehearsal hall and everything like that. So, uh, it was just ideas floating around and everything like that. So, um, but nothing was happening there, you know, with the guns guys. And then Oz was going, Zach, he goes, we're going to get ready to tour and everything like that. Are you going to jam? Are you going to, Oz was like, you can do both. But I mean, like, Oz, you, I, Zach, I got to have an answer. If you're going to be jamming with them and me, you know, this ship leaves, 12 o'clock Monday. I mean, are you going to be ready to go or not? You know, so it was just like I couldn't get an answer from the fellas and everything was up in the air. And Oz was like, Zach, I'm just, I got to get somebody else in here, man. So that, that was it. So, uh, yeah, so I was just sitting around going, all right, well, what am I going to do? I got all these riffs laying around and I got so, you know, I'm not playing with Oz right now. I'm not doing a GNR thing. It's like, fuck it. I'll just do. And then I came up with Black Label Saturday. So that, that's basically how Black Label was born right there. So there we go. That whole yarn spins us right into the rise of the glorious Black Label Society. And don't worry, Zach comes back. But those are different stories for different days. Let's go back to Ozzy, though, here. In May, they kind of go dark here for a little bit, for a month or two. Which is too bad, because there's actually a very interesting thing that happens. A one-off gig with a legendary thrash metal guitarist filling in for the departed Zach Wild, and one of the most underrated guitarists of all time, Alex Skolnick from Testament. Uh, I don't know the full story behind this gig here, but it's listed that Rock City Festival in Nottingham, England, June 9th, 1995, this is when Ozzy's first gig out of retirement actually happens, and Alex was to fill in there. But we have a bootleg here, lads, to confirm that this actually happened. Let's drop in on Alex Skolnick playing one of Ozzy's greatest flying high again here so it's Skolnick, Ozzy, Dean Castronova and of course the keys actually signed on with Ozzy but it was just a one-off thing here and if anyone knows anything more about this gig because it's kind of buried in a lot of the 
resources that I have. Like, it's not part of the Osmosis Retirement Sucks comeback tour that we're getting into here, but it is his official first gig back after that No More Tours thing. So it's strange that it's not more publicized that this was the grand return or that he would mention it in his updates on this news feed thing that we've been digging into, the diary. Maybe it's just gotten lost in the annals of time. But that's one of the things with going retroactively back so many years after. They kind of gloss over some things. They kind of contain the retirement sucks thing into a, a giant fucking tour. Anyway, Skolnick, unfortunately, only plays that one gig, and it's time for Ozzy to find a more permanent replacement for Zack here as they roll out Osmosis and roll out the new tour. I don't know how much of a search there actually was at this point for the new Gunslinger. Like, I don't know if there was a bunch of auditions like there were before. I don't think so. At least I haven't heard of the process going on here. It's also mentioned that this guy had already auditioned in the past with Ozzy. So who knows? His name might have been in the files, but that name is Joe Holmes. I auditioned, I think, when, when, when Zach auditioned a couple of years before that, um, and uh, then you know, Zach got the gig. Mike Inez and, um, and Dean Castronova, he came down, he called me and came down to a rehearsal. I was rehearsing with a band called Dogma in, in uh, North Hollywood, and he came down, and, uh, which was a completely different style of music. He came down and uh, saw that, and then um, a couple nights later, he came down with Sharon. And, uh, and then maybe like a couple nights after that, Ozzy came down and, uh, um, that that was, that was it. And then I I think like a week later I went down to, I think it was audible, audible. There was a a rehearsal studio and, uh, and, uh, I got to, you know, I did, I think I did, I don't know, um, bark at the moon and Crowley. And maybe Crazy Train, like those, those, and Ozzy was like singing five feet from me, and I'd do a solo, and he was standing right there, and um, I, you know, I did, I finished it, and a lot of the people from the office were there, and uh, he came over after a little bit and shook my hand, said, "Welcome aboard." And next thing you know, I was at a gun range shooting guns with him. <laughs> I had, I think, three weeks to learn the songs and then we went in and we rehearsed for a couple weeks and bam we were off we did one show um a production show like in like texas and then we were off to south america so i mean those those first south american shows i was even still you know working the songs out learning them (laughs) big selling point with holmes regardless of how he was introduced to ozzy was that he was in fact a former student of randy rhodes so he has all that flavor that they need to do justice to the old material And it also gives them an angle, right? A great interview tidbit for Ozzy to generate buzz around this new lineup and big comeback to her. The second coming of Randy Rhodes, a student becoming the master in his ranks. On top of that, Joe's got the 90s look on lock, too. He's the spitting image of John Frusciante from the fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers, right down to the Strat and the disappearing t-shirts. Joe Holmes is the shit. Big fan of this lineup. So you got Ozzy, Joe Holmes... Geezer Butler, Dean Castronova, and I believe this is when John Sinclair also returns to play keys again for Ozzy. I could be wrong on that, as Sinclair's service dates are damn near impossible to pin down. He's in and out all the time, and also, he's kind of hidden anyway, right? So it's hard to follow the trajectory of a keyboard player in Ozzy Osbourne's band. But the 19th of August, 
1995, there's a warm-up show here with this new lineup with Joe in at the Austin Music Hall. And by the 23rd of that same month, the boys go down to South America to kick off this cycle proper. They spend a good month touring down there, too, linking into the Monsters of Rock Festival proper. So we have to drop in on some live stuff here, right? Monsters of Rock Festival, over 60,000 people at that gig. And the band sounds fucking phenomenal. Here it is. Monsters of Rock shows in South America. You know, South America eats metal for breakfast. I've got some homeboys, some listeners to the show from down there. Huge metal community. And the band is sounding great. Everything is going smooth so far. Well, kinda. There's a little bit of a tension in the ranks here. As we can see in the diary, the day-to-day it seems that Ozzy isn't getting along very well with his new drummer, Dean Castronova. So back to these glorious journal entries that he was posting while on tour. He actually calls Dean out for being too showy and demanding as far as his limo services and hotel rooms, that kind of junk, the perks. You can just tell that Ozzy's not digging Dean's vibes. He starts referring to him as limo man in the last few entries of the South American tour here. Like, I know the internet was pretty raw back then, so... It's funny that he's calling out his drummer online during a tour. I'm sure Dean had no idea, though. Like, this isn't the era that it is now where he'd be getting, like, fucking updates on his phone. Who knows how deep the drama goes between them, but Dean, he actually, in interviews, makes it out to be that he was pretty fucking blindsided by the firing here. Upon their return from South America, this is September 15th, 1995. I hate to fire anyone. It's a hard thing to do, and I hate to see someone without a gig. Even Limo Man, but I had to do it. I told Limo Man <laughs> to use his return plane ticket to go home. So, there we go. Let's drink to Dean Castronova. I do have a beer here for him. For myself, but I'll toast him. As much as Ozzy and most likely Sharon is hating on him here, Dean's contributions to the Osmosis Project are phenomenal. Like I said, the drums on this album are incredible. So we'll toast him for that. So, next up, they do Japan in mid-September here. There's tons of press. Like, you guys should scope out how many fucking press little things Ozzy does from his hotel rooms. It's insane. Pretty much a month straight of interviews and shit. You can see in his diary entries here. Like, he lists them all. He gets more and more fed up, too, as he goes on this press junket. He's ready to get out there and just start playing gigs. The North American Cycle of what is known here as the Retirement Sucks Tour. It kicks off in my homeland, too, where the podcast is broadcast from. Well, at least the same province. I don't live in fucking T.O. no more. I hated that place, but... October 10th, 1995, show day at the warehouse in Toronto, Canada. I'm really nervous. 
It's our first show of the North American tour. It's been a long while since I've toured here. All these thoughts are running through my head. The demons in my head are starting again. The show was brilliant. Everyone played their asses off. It was like Randy had never been away. So he's talking about Castillo there, returning to the lineup here, as hinted before. Joe is like my right arm. And as time goes by, we've really bonded as people. Joe and I now have a new addiction. Coffee. So awesome. I'm going to stop reading the diary entries here for a bit. I'm drifting (laughs) when I read them out loud. Sorry, guys. I seriously have ADD when it comes to reading out loud. But I do find them fascinating to be able to follow the thing in real time like that. You guys can check them out for yourself. And if you'd like, I can email them to you. Just shoot me an email at sabbathbloodypodcast at gmail.com. I'll forward it over to you. So... October 23rd, 1995, Osmosis is released after a fake-out release date, apparently, too, a few weeks previously. There was some fuckery going on there, I've heard, but it comes out right when the U.S. tour starts to really roll. And the tour goes on pretty much how a typical Aussie cycle has been. You know, booked solid, but your man has cancellations all over the place. A few health scares here and there as that old tightness in his chest comes back. So there's... A couple of scary moments, some postponed gigs as Ozzy has to actually rest over the holidays once they get into December. So we'll pick up there next week. As always, leave me those stars in the Apple Podcast. Take a moment to connect with me. Make me feel less lonesome on the Twitter at SabbathBloodyPC. Email, as always, is SabbathBloodyPodcast at gmail.com because you know the drill. Right, 1996 is going to be another shakedown, lads. So tune in, and I'll see you. I'll see you on the other side. Peace.